1: Which went something along the lines of um, you should always be interested in being interested, Oh, I correct? forgot about
0: that. That yeah. was Yeah, that was a good one. Uh,
1: this week, uh, there's another saying, and and hopefully it's not applicable to this edition of Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation, but I'll let you guys be the judge of that. Darren Urban, Felipe Corral, Jr., yours truly, Pauly Podcast slash Pencil Neck. What's that old saying about if you get to the weather In a conversation, either A, you've run out of anything to talk about, or maybe you had nothing to talk about (laughs) from the beginning. So if you start a conversation at a cocktail party and you're talking about the weather, guess what? (laughs) That's a short-lived conversation. It really doesn't have anywhere to go, and uh, you might look for your next option to bail on that conversation. So I bring that up because I was not aware, Felipe, that the Cardinals have a 6-0 and record right now in their last six games, played in games with temperatures below 40 degrees. Yeah.
0: I had no idea. I heard that one. I was a little surprised about that myself.
1: I mean, I resemble that remark. I've been there on the sidelines for those games, and I do not remember the Cardinals being unbeaten in the last six games do we where was 40 degrees or less. Do we know what the pre-Chicago games were? Well, what – was one of them Damn. Seattle? The golden rule you've already violated off the top oh. of Cardinals Underground, <laughs> never ask me a question within which I don't have the answer. No, I
0: thought that was a – if we're talking about cliches, isn't that like a lawyer thing? Never <laughs> ask your never client had, a yeah. question on the yeah. stand that you don't know they already, already know, the, know answer the answer to. Too. Right,
1: yes. So uh, I just I just reverse engineer that. Got it. When I'm on the – So re- you're making it my fault.
0: Re-
2: exactly. I uh, Got it, okay. When technically just I shouldn't have brought sure. it up when I don't have the details. Can I just say one thing real quick? I actually spent that game thinking about Paul. <laughs> no, no. Because the entire podcast last week, that hashtag no Lambo kept being mentioned. Yes, sure, that's sure. true. So then – What else was I saying, by
1: the way? No freezing rain. And uh, I failed an epic fail on that one because that's all we got was freezing <laughs> rain.
2: So then talking to all of our video videographers – uh, the producers, you guys, seen Paul with um, in the post game interview with Cam Cox with his, you know, he had a oh, little yeah. bit of redness Paul. going on in the oh. in, in front of the a little front Tom of the Coughlin face. look.
1: Yeah, I, I looked uh, like exactly what I looked like is I'd
2: had a bottle of bourbon. That's what I looked like <laughs> with a red nose. So in my head, I just went back to that hashtag no Lambo because. You know, keeping Paul in mind, keeping Jacob Ortiz, Grayson, Kyle, all in mind, I don't want a scenario where you're in Lambo in January under those same circumstances. But But
0: here's the deal, Felipe? Paul just said on the air, we have it recorded. Omo can play it back if we need it. just like a good court reporter, that Paul says it would be good. If they played in Lambeau because they win all those games. No, I
1: didn't. I, <laughs> I, I, I'm pretty sure that I – I might be paraphrasing, no. but I'm pretty sure no. that's
0: what I just heard.
1: No, in, in court lexicon, that's badgering the witness, I believe. It's <laughs> it's a it's a leading question is what that is. You just put words into my mouth. I never said it was good. I never said it was good. I just said the Cardinals have been good when it's been 40 degrees or less. We all have to make sacrifices, yeah. Paul. And by the way, Cam Cox, how about giving me – 20 seconds to you know regroup after I'm done with the postgame radio interviews outdoors in the cold because of COVID I can't get in the locker room to warm up and you're sticking the mic and camera in my face and I don't even have time to take a drink of water much but less defrost. You were a professional. Oh, you nailed goodness. that interview once yeah. again. No, I just uh, look. I, you know it's a good season when you're running out of game balls to give out. I mean honestly. Where's Craig Grigelow? Has he gotten off his rear end this week to calculate just how many game balls have been given out this year? And if it's succeeded, the number of game balls given out to date in any other season, because the Cardinals basically are driving the local economy by giving out the Duke, those uh, Wilson yeah. footballs, uh, the NFL official footballs at this point. I mean, my goodness, you know?
0: Well, it, it reminds me, and I don't want to derail this, because uh, I know you're going to get back to the game balls here, Paul, but uh, the, the winning comes at a cost. I mean, ask Mike Helm, who never gets to sleep on ga- on days after uh, on nights after wins, because he's got to get all those notes ready for the next morning. It's true. So he's up to like three in the morning doing notes every time they win. That's that's a hard life.
2: No bourbon for Mike Helm. I'm more interested in learning how the game balls get decided because it seems like Kingsbury gets into the locker room and then all of a sudden he has a sheet with all these game this balls. This is a well-oiled right
0: machine, Felipe.
2: You know, like how, how does that? It's true. You know, I'm does, fairly does, new, four years with the organization. I don't necessarily know like, you know, how that, you know, is developed. Do you guys have an idea to sure. let our listeners know?
1: Is he outsourcing the game balls? Is that what you're saying? Somebody else is making that decision. He's just authorizing it. I mean, the head coach is busy. After all, right? I, just would, a I, game.
2: I
0: feel safe in saying that there are there are suggestions being made by the uh, the machinations of the Cardinals' powers that be that uh, <laughs> yes, give him give him the stats, give him the uh, yeah. the scribbled stats on from the sharpie that he reads off of and.
2: Because then, like, who decides Andy Lee's getting a a game ball? Like, that was interesting to me. I don't think I came across a scenario where Andy Lee, a punter in any scenario, is given a game ball. I understand the why. But, you know, I was on the morning scramble and we played the victory speech over again. And then all of a sudden it came to my mind that, wow, it's a punter getting a game ball.
0: Well, look... I. it's tough sometimes I watch those game balls and it's like they're guys that you're you you're expecting hey such and such scored two touchdowns such and such had two sacks I'm thinking if I'm Sean Harlow I'm like come on man when when is my glory time
1: (laughs) you know uh here's the thing for every guy who makes a big play and then gets a game ball you're going home with two game balls because like Zach Allen kept the actual football yeah. within which he made the pick same with Jalen Thompson same with Buddha Baker Buddha went back to the bench he everybody saw it right rocked the baby did that to the crowd so everybody makes a big play keeps the actual football that was in play and then there's the game ball they're awarded after the game so how does that go in the display case that's what I'd like to know where's the pecking order which one takes pre, you know it takes preeminence up there on the shelf I mean in, that's a great in the, question in the office well, you're
0: assuming that's a shelf I remember talking to Josh McCown Uh, about a year ago for my beautiful oral history of the McCown to pool pass.
1: He has trophy cases.
0: Uh, No, he was like, I said, he started talking about keeping the ball. And I said, I said, "Uh, where's, where is it? Uh, And in fact, well, he told the story actually that the ball got into the stands and then his brother and some other guy got it. And his brother and his dad basically threatened the guy to make sure they got the ball back. (laughs) But I said, you still have it? He goes, yeah, I got, still got it. And I said, where is it? And he goes, Oh well, it's in—it's in a box somewhere in the garage. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Hopefully that garage isn't in Arizona because no, uh, it's in
0: beautiful North Carolina. Okay, because
1: so. it's 150 degrees in that garage, and most I, mean, I don't know will if just... it's
0: properly inflated, but we can ask Tom Brady.
1: I've lost a lot of stuff in an Arizona garage over the years. We won't get into, yeah. you know, I mean I Todd Walsh helped me out with Todd's garage. Yeah, I mean, what I do you that. do? I mean, do you have climate control in your garage? What's going on over there? Well, if you were willing to pay a little bit of money, Paul, I see the climate-controlled <laughs> storage all over this place. City. <laughs> it's true. Uh, by the way, uh, if we know one thing about the Arizona car speaking of the weather, and then I promise we'll get off the weather, <laughs> is that this team loves a challenge, correct? I mean, honestly, guys, the yes. latest challenge was twofold, was it not? It was coming out of the bye week. As Zach Allen said after the game, this team is sick and tired of certain narratives. That's what he told us on the radio side. Sick and tired if we can't win out of the bye Sick and tired of Cardinals go into the cold and the thin blood, and they're not going to be able to play. Once again, 6-0 and in the last six games, 40 degrees or below. So if you're looking as to whether the Cardinals are going to play well or not, look no further than whether there is a challenge at hand, whether the players feel like they've been challenged. And I put it to you, Felipe. <laughs> when the Cardinals get to Monday night football, is the challenge not A, to play well at home, Mm -hmm. because the coach has been harping on that. They've been much more dominant on the road. Than they have been at home. Seven and zero. Everybody now seven and zero on the road. All by double digits. First mm-hmm. team to do that since the '68 Cowboys. No, to ni- start, 1984 to start a oh, season. my bad. Now Darren, I'm Darren, sorry. because sorry. you know Darren, uh, he doesn't want to be controlled over there by <laughs> by by the narratives that Zach Allen is sick True. of. Sure, that's a good point. You know, he's he's not going with the house-fed stat. Darren created his own. Is going to the '84 Niners in the seven games in a row, not seven games to start a season both valid points over there but then the other one is Felipe try and play well on national tv because the last time you only other time you were in primetime, it didn't go so well against the Packers and that's the only real national exposure you've gotten all season and to me that's a big reason why the Cardinals are not getting more national buzz because they lost in their national tv game
2: But, I mean, if you look back at last year on national TV, they played well on Sunday night football against the Seahawks. They dominated on Monday night football on the road against the Cowboys. So in the name of Jesse Aranda, one of our videographers, he always talks about how the energy is different on the field pregame when warming up for a uh, nationally televised game or a road game or whatnot. And I'm, you know, I'm a big believer that these players, they love clout, man. Clout is like the exposure, being on national t- we uh, television. Oh, clou- on this I'm not sure if if, if, I, if I brought up that term clout. Yeah, they we, they, we, they we love we've the talked exposure of being, you know, under the bright lights. There's no other game being played on Mondays, and in an international audience, typically. I mean... You know, you, you have people in Mexico watch, watching, in Europe watching, everybody in the States watching. And, you know, all eyes are on you. And these players, you know, they thrive on the clout.
0: I I mean, I think there is something to that. I, I do think well, – I mean, we call it clout now. Ten years ago, obviously, without social media, we wouldn't say the same thing. But I do think there was the same kind of deal, which is – you do know that you're in the spotlight there. It does make a difference. And with all due respect for our dearly departed Kyle Odegaard, I mean, that that kind of stuff does impact
2: games. Well, he said it it, it did it.
0: Well, you have to understand that Kyle is very (laughs) analytically inclined. We had some arguments about momentum and things. I mean, one time it almost came to blows between he and Paul, and, and it got ugly in here, and... Well, Fortunately, we, we well, saved everybody's uh, reputation. What,
1: what, what I did at the very end is I just said, okay, you can disagree with me, Kyle, but uh, forget me, what do I matter? If you're saying leadership doesn't matter, then you're disagreeing with the decision-makers. And that's why I left it. I just said because the decision-makers decided in the offseason this team needed leadership. And whether you want to acknowledge it exists or not, doesn't matter what I say. Yeah, The guys calling the shots believe it matters, believe it exists. And if you go through and pull every player in that locker room, they'll tell you it's definitely a difference this year versus last year. Once again, Zach Allen, one of the comments he made this week, we're a mature we we are a mature team now, right? That was his yeah. comment. Mm-hmm. We're a mature team now that we can handle the bye week. That we can that there were so many more guys in attendance in the weight room working out during the quote bye week, whereas a year ago most of those guys were on vacation out of the AZ. That's a big difference. Does that show up in the analytics? Well, the stats, absolutely not. But does it make a difference in the team being ten and two and leading the NFL? Once again, forget my opinion. Ask the guys in the locker room; they'll tell you a resounding yes.
2: Darren, did you did you hear that shade that parent, uh Paul just threw at Kyle? Well, yeah, but he but said see, it's, I saw it's not. It it's not in I, the analytics. But, but
0: see, I, I will say this. I will say this. Paul said all these things to Kyle's face. <laughs>
2: oh, he did. And and, wow. that's, and
0: again, that's why that's why it got so fun that way. We,
1: day, we still go back and forth on text. I tell Kyle, I, and I told him not too long ago, I said, "I still hear the echo of your voice in my headset <laughs> during Cardinals underground saying two words, I disagree." <laughs> that's I'll go true. into this. I'll go into this whole rant and I and I got all these points and then I stop and I'm waiting and he, any he, and I don't know if he's still contemplating it, Kyle, back in the day, but he he would think about it and then just give that one dramatic pause. I disagree. And then, uh, boom, it was like so on. You know, a few weeks ago,
0: Felipe, uh, Kyle, uh, Kyle, Cliff Kingsbury said in his press conference was talking about, you know, how he coached, uh, especially in college, but even here. And he was basically saying how it was important to mention to guys their names and everything. And he basically said everybody's looking for validation, essentially, is what he was saying. Paul looks for validation. It, it hurts him sometimes oh, when he does say all these things oh, and we just – dismiss it out of hand it's 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 not necessarily right i do worry about his mental health once in a while but
1: (laughs) well you're not alone you'll have to get in line on that one (laughs) so so there are three things three things now i'm going to add one okay just for that i'm adding one more challenge to monday night what were they again it was home field all right try and play better at home yeah uh number two it was play well in prime time i'm already forgetting my two points and then the third is you have the ability to clinch a playoff spot
0: yes Winning, you're in, correct? And and not only win, are you in? But you virtually clinched the division. You mm. you move the the magic number to mm-hmm. winning the division to one with four games to go. Which means any Rams loss uh, or any Cardinals win clinches a division for you. Which obviously that's a even bi- a much bigger thing than just clinching a playoff spot. So there's a lot there's a lot to to be said. If they win this game, all of a sudden you're looking at as B.A. like to call it, a hat and T-shirt game mm-hmm. in Detroit, which wouldn't be too bad. <laughs> trying to trying to break that Cowboys slash 49ers record of road double-digit wins in Detroit against a struggling Lions team with a chance to clinch the division, that would be not so bad. Yeah.
1: A victorious Lions team. Good thing the Lions got that victory because they, you know, they won't be quite as fired up when the Cardinals go there in two weeks.
2: And I think I mentioned, I, I tweeted something out uh, along the lines of that Vikings – losing to the Lions actually kind of boost the possibility of that Cowboys-Cardinals game being flexed a Sunday night. Yeah, that's true. Because now, I mean, who's going to want to see Green Bay against the Vikings on Sunday night football in week, what, 16, 17?
0: The only thing I'm not sure about that is I do think there's a limit on national games. And I don't know where Dallas is on that whole grand scheme flex. Oh come on. Dallas it's has Dallas. Do you you're
1: know on. Dallas was maxed out <laughs> this year. I don't even have to look to know that Dallas was maxed out this year in national T V games. So maybe that could hurt the, the possibility. But we'll see. Because you're right, Felipe, at that point the Vikings will have an interim head coach. So you know it's gonna be a total <laughs> hot mess at that point, by the way.
0: Paul Calvisi reporting.
1: Yeah. Um you know who was reporting this week? And he actually got me with this? Ron Wolfley. Uh-oh. And, and I don't say this lightly, but Ron Wolfley busted out a stat on Cliff Kingsbury's TV show this week. Yes. And it'll be coming our way on Friday night, 12 news, 630 game plan. And he said the Arizona Cardinals are number two in run rate percentage. Number two in the NFL. I said, Is that offensively? <laughs> and I texted him about an hour ago. I said, what about after Monday night football now and the New England Patriots where they attempted only three passes in that game? The last team to win a game with a quarterback only throwing three passes, Tim Tebow, right? 2,000-something, whatever that was. I didn't was. see the stat, So, but... Mac Jones out there. Anyway, the Cardinals are still number two in the NFL in run rate percentage. Hey, national media still calling the Cardinals an air-rate offense. How's that taste?
0: Well, I did, uh, I did feel like uh, Bill Belichick, trying to get one over on Cliff Kingsbury, talked about not – not being able to throw it as much as he wanted, and we only had 15 passes on Sunday, and Bill Belichick said,
2: ha,
1: let me show you how it's done, <laughs> sir. That's right, because, what, the Cardinals against the Bears, 35 carries, a buck 37 on the ground as a team. And how fitting was it that Cliff Kingsbury is wearing a hat with 1920 on it? That's true. And he he didn't realize that until after the game. He didn't realize, you know, just sort of how fitting, how telling that was that he was wearing a throwback 1920 hat, and he basically was calling the wing T against the Chicago Bears.
2: Yeah. Well, what was more impressive to me was obviously Kyler Murray was coming back. He's coming off that ankle injury, and you weren't. I guess the natural thing to think going into that game is you're going to protect Kyler Murray a little bit more, and he you know comes out with the season high in rush yards too, ten carries, fifty nine yards, and that just adds to that to that dominant run game. And I do want to credit. I'm starting to see a little bit more of national media giving the Cardinals credit for their dominant run game. I was watching, I, I believe I was watching Ryan Clark, one of my favorite analysts, and he actually, he made a reference to how people used to think of this Cardinals offense as an air raid, but they've been so dominant on the ground. I mean, they're second in the NFL in rush touchdowns, only behind the Colts, and you know Jonathan Taylor has been having having an outstanding season. So I, I do want to say that they're getting the credit they deserve when it comes to the run game. You, you're seeing that narrative shift just a little bit more.
1: So the Cardinals get the road win, and once again, some crazy stats out of that, right? Not just the run game, but the fact the last time they scored touchdowns on their first three possessions of a road game was 2009 at Chicago. Of course, short fields going to help you out every single time. And they cashed in four takeaways into 24 points by the time they were done with the four interceptions. Fifth straight road game, though, was zero turnovers. Amazing. That that was a jaw dropper right there, and and apparently, if I'm getting this stat right, since 1933 when turnovers were first tracked, the Cardinals are just the fifth team ever to go five straight road games without a turnover. The record is six. So boom, there's yet another challenge added to the list And the old chalkboard, the Bolton board in the Cardinals locker room right now. There's four bullet points right now when it comes to challenges. Well,
0: but yeah, but they can't do they can't meet that challenge this week since it's a home game, but. Oh, that is true.
1: Yeah. I understand. got a little carried away. Well, it's okay. okay. I, let's edit, I, I let's s- edit s- I that out. S- I you're see right. where you're going. You're, you're right. Save that for next week. That's right. You're absolutely right. right.
0: We'll, just, <laughs> we'll cut and paste. I, I would, you know, it, the, the, the turnover thing is interesting to me because it's, it's rare that you have this kind of balance where you're forcing all these turnovers on one side and you're taking care of the football so carefully on the other. Now, again, and I asked Cliff Kingsbury about this, there is some luck involved. They have 24 fumbles, and they've only lost three. That's, and I understand some of them are just drop snaps. I get that. But 24 and you've only lost three, that's really, really hard to do. Hard to
1: do. So Well, thank goodness on the first snap of the game and Kyler Murray, and it slipped out of his hands, that he once upon a time was a middle infielder because if <laughs> he didn't have good hands to scoop that thing up, true. he might have kicked it again down this, like, like some sort of
0: DH. I mean the I will say and and this goes back to the the running. I mean we we've talked about before about how careful Kyler is throwing the ball, especially after early in the season through a couple interceptions, now he's he's been super careful on a lot of stuff, but the the running backs aren't fumbling. Chase Edmonds wasn't fumbling. James Conner is not fumbling. You know, that's it's impressive. And as we saw as was pointed out by our one of our new favorite uh uh, Twitter accounts, no context Cardinals, mm-hmm. or I think it might have been some context Cardinals retweeted by no context Cardinals, but uh, I thought it was little context. Whatever, I, I apologize okay, for all the context. Um, but uh, Kyler Murray had ten rushing attempts, and he was sacked once, and wasn't tackled on any of those. That's what?
1: really. Yeah. I'm trying to think. I'm replaying those in my mind right now. Of course, they are shrouded by the freezing rain. Uh, I'm not sure I, I saw all of them, to be honest with you. had a brain him. freeze without yeah, a Slurpee. That was, uh, well, he is number one in the NFL on both passer rating and completion percentage. Think about that. Yep. How many rushing touchdowns does he have now, and is that number mm, one, rushing touchdowns? I'd have to look that For quarterbacks, one. or does Lamar Jackson still have him beat maybe I, a Josh I, Allen?
0: I would actually have to look that up, although our good uh, friend uh, Kyler Murray just tweeted out some of the things that uh, – uh kyler leads the league in uh, touchdowns wasn't one of them but he's in a, a lot in a lot of these analytical things
2: kyle Orson. kyle odegaard yeah you mean oh i think you said kyler murray see oh i see i didn't Ky- see odegaard likes to be called kyler murray from the conversations i've had he likes that comparison you know in typical it, kyle odegaard fashion yeah he, he, well, maybe. He, he, here's the number that i like though yeah from sunday 11
1: completions to eight different receivers are you kidding me Now, is that a matter of them getting a lead and trying to keep everyone happy and get everybody in the box score? Maybe, a little bit, maybe. As Cliff Kingsbury joked after the game, he said, uh, yeah, we had a lot of angry wideouts in there because we only threw it 15 times and completed 11 passes. Uh, But eight different receivers among the – and think about it. When he was asked, how did you end up on fourth and two at your own 20 on the first drive of the game going for it all? to DeAndre Hopkins, his response was, my read took me there. To me, that's the difference in Kyler Murray year three, is that he is just organically playing the game and letting it come to him, going through those reads. That's the difference this year than it was last year that he is getting to his third and fourth read. He's able to decipher and diagnose a defense pre-snap, post-snap, get rid of the ball, and... And he really, truly is lethal from the pocket first, and the legs are the luxury that he's always talked about.
0: It's interesting. I don't mean
1: to derail this part of it. but Here we go. It, it this, is, is a, this is a moment I disagree. Here it comes. Uh, I not, can feel not it. Not that I disagree.
0: It's just that he did say his read took him there. But he also said, I had another guy wide open for the first down. I, I could have gone yeah. there, but I decided to go to DeAndre because I trust the – trust it was uh,
1: james Conner underneath on like a rub route as cliff it? explained okay. it yeah we, we chalked that one up and that, okay that's, what, that's yeah so you're right absolutely there was a safety valve there for the first well not necessarily the first oh well, yeah first down it was well fourth kyler and two. said it was first, it was fourth yeah. and two yes there was yes absolutely so
0: you know I, look i i think i think there was a lot was it risky that early did they know they were gonna but i mean Do you do that if you're playing the Rams? I mean, Kyler probably still does it playing the Rams. But there was a part of me that's like, go for it. Take a shot at your receiver. Get DeAndre Hopkins involved early. We have some leeway being this much better than the Bears. I know you're not supposed to say that, but I I wondered about that a little
2: bit. I have this theory that you know, with the return of Kyler and DeAndre Hopkins – Maybe it wasn't Kingsbury's first option to go to d but in their heads, this is my theory, obviously. They just wanted to reintroduce themselves to everybody. You know, like Jay-Z says, allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is... Oh, no, yeah, just yeah, kidding, yeah. Kyler and DeAndre. Because it seems like people forgot how dangerous they are offensively when those two guys are on the field. Obviously, two of the best players at their at their positions, and there's no better way to reintroduce yourself than you know fourth and two. <laughs> You're about to score. Hey, let me throw this, you know, Dying. this this fade Which, route.
0: Which, by the way, I just need to say that I thought it was hilarious that it gets wiped out by the official standing right there, calls it incomplete. DeAndre argues for a a second or two, and then all of a sudden they're saying on the field the the thing is that that it is a completion. I thought that was fun. First
1: of all, how'd he miss it? The guy was right there. Uh, Number two, DeAndre Hopkins works the officials all game. Yeah, I've noticed that. Yeah, so uh, I don't know, to your point, whether that's a byproduct of his relationship with the officials, because it seems to be good-natured, most of it. Uh, There are some (laughs) times when, yeah, he's definitely griping, but... I was stupefied. I mean, think about it. In fact, I just uh, I just texted one of the football gods, and they they can they can't say they're offended. They're really offended about that fourth and two at the twenty. When you think of everything that was involved, I mean, first off, you had the weather conditions. Yeah. It's freezing rain sideways. The wind is gusting off Lake Michigan. Right then, your QB hasn't played in a month. His top receiver has played less over the same span, and it's the first drive of the game. It's your second pass attempt of the game, and you're going for it all on fourth and two on on the fifth snap from scrimmage of the game. So, yeah, the football gods, we can confirm, are still indignant over that audacity right now. Although,
0: there. I will say, I think if you looked, that was probably Kyler's best throw of the game, and it had to be on the one that had to be the best throw of the game.
2: Was it already raining at that point? Yeah, oh, yes. yeah, it was definitely
1: raining. Forget the football gods. I can confirm it was raining at that point. Yes. Yes. I
0: mean, it was – I mean, some of the other – I mean, the James Conner play, that was a – and, uh, again, it was – I'm sure it was because of the weather, but that was a horrible pass. There was another play where he had Christian Kirk open for a first down, I think it was in the second half, and he just threw he a worm it, burner. He right? yeah, yeah, skipped Skipped, so
1: when he skipped, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, no doubt. But here's the thing. And did he miss a few passes? Absolutely. Were the weather conditions horrendous? Yes. Was there maybe a little bit of rust involved? Okay. You're still seeing big plays out of Kyler Murray without seeing the big mistakes. And guys like Lamar Jackson are still making the big mistakes. I mean, he's got an MVP trophy in his case. And you still see other guys making – Matthew Stafford – Making big mistakes. Three straight games with pick sixes. If you want to talk about the Rams on deck next. Josh Allen has made some big mistakes this year. The elite quarterbacks in the NFL. Kyler Murray? No. Uh, Big plays. No big mistakes. And that combination is is, is is lethal.
0: The pick six against yeah, the Vikings. True,
1: Nick Vigil, the pick but six. But that's
0: such a long time ago. Like yeah. you, ha- I mean, that feels like two years ago by now. That Vikings. Game.
1: And to your point, he was hellbent on not letting that happen again. Yes. There was the uh, interception against Houston coming out of halftime in the third quarter, and the the wired microphones caught Colt McCoy oh, sitting yeah. next to Kyler Murray, and Kyler Murray was so upset with himself, and Colt kept trying to calm him down, saying, "Look." That's immaterial to the game. That play is going to make no difference in the outcome of this game. Uh, Translation, we're playing the Houston Texans, okay? He didn't say that. That's what he meant by that. And he was right. Absolutely. But you could see how adamant Kyla was at that point about, in his words, and he said, I'm trying to play turnover-free football. And so, look, big plays can win you games, but the big mistakes obviously can just as easily lose you games. And he's been excelling in both categories, I guess is my point.
2: Do you think that performance on Sunday, you know, catapults him back into the MVP conversation? Because to your, I mean, to your point, you mentioned how all the league quarterbacks have, you know, made mistakes, and you know, the Bucs have at one point lost consecutive games. Obviously, the Bills have been struggling with, with Josh Allen. He was a MVP. He was part of the MVP talk. The Ravens have been struggling uh, under Lamar Jackson. I feel like Kyler Murray's aside from Aaron Rodgers. I feel like he hasn't had any flaws when it comes to performance. You know, obviously you miss three weeks, so you kind of have to start fading him out of that conversation. But then he comes back and he puts up a four-touchdown performance now. Do you put him in that conversation once again?
0: I think he's in the conversation, but personally I think the winner of the MVP is going to be the quarterback of the number one seed, whether it's Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady or Kyler Murray. Now Kyler might have some work to do. I mean, he's not gonna be able to have a game like he did this past weekend, even if they're winning mm-hmm. unless he gets four touchdowns every week. The statistically Tom Brady is just gonna I would assume continue to crush it. I mean statistically he's blowing up and missing those games that Kyler did I think will hurt him. But if they end up as the number one seed and Kyler Murray keeps accounting for four touchdowns a week, either running or passing, he's gonna it's gonna be hard to to, to ignore him
1: last check if i heard this right uh, vegas still has him top five in betting odds for nfl mvp Kyler murray he's fourth or fifth behind the guys you just named um so there's that so yes i would say he's definitely in the conversation um i would also surmise that he needs a big game of monday night football yeah. that would go a long way national tv audience big big game against the rams and then maybe oh i don't know on Christmas night, when you're in primetime again, national TV against the Colts, you put another big performance out there. And to your point, Darren, they end up with the number one seed. Here's the small problem is that when he was out, Colt McCoy won two games. Yeah. And was very convincing. Yep. And what did we talk about a few weeks ago during Kyler's absence? And I likened it to Steve Nash back in the day, the last MVP in this town. And when did he clinch it, Darren? You know.
0: When they went 0-7 <laughs> right. when he was injured.
1: <laughs> right. Yep. And they looked totally discombobulated minus Steve Nash. Well, yep. that wasn't – now, if every game under Cole McCoy would have been the Carolina game, that actually probably would have helped Kyler Murray's, you know, chances – of being the NFL MVP despite the fact they wouldn't be number one. Yeah, in the
0: and that's league. the thing, is is the funny part about that is in football, if they had gone 0 and 3, it would have helped Kyler Murray in that respect, yeah. but then their record would have been such that he probably had no chance at it.
1: Yeah. So uh, you know, look, if he does really well in prime time, that's gonna go a long way. Um, but once again it's gonna come down to the Cardinals success and an Aaron Rodgers and a to Tom Brady and I mean how do you value those guys to those teams, and, well, it's going to depend, I think, on those final standings to a large degree.
2: Well, didn't the Packers beat the Chiefs without Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, they with did. With Jordan Love? Did yeah. They?
1: Did they get a win with Jordan Love against the Chiefs? Yeah, I think they mm-hmm. I do not remember. No, I thought they or lost. was it, it the other way around? Yeah, thought, it
2: was the
0: other way. I thought way. Jordan Love lost. Jordan Love only played the one game, and he lost.
2: Do you guys now, do you guys think that the Packers beating the Cardinals – when it comes down to it, when it comes down to picking an MVP, now you're gonna look into that specific game to decide. No,
0: like, like I said, if if the Packers end up as the number one seed, that's what's gonna decide it to me. If if look, Tom Brady's stats are ridiculous right now, even compared. I haven't to looked them. at him really. I mean, he's putting up numbers that's just like geez I'm, and you gotta have an extra game. I mean, he could end up having. I, I don't know if he'll, He's not gonna beat his touchdown pass record because he had. 50 in one year, whatever it was, but um, I mean, he, it's going to be tough to beat him statistically. But if the Buccaneers end up third, like this week is a, is, a, is going to be, I mean, the, the Bills are reeling and they desperately need a win. Now they have to go to Tampa, but maybe the Bills beat Tampa. Who knows what ends up happening? I Like I said, I think, right. I think the MVP is going to come from the NFC and I think it's going to be the quarterback of the top seed in the NFC, whoever that might be. That's my. That's what I think is going to happen.
1: What if Kyler, though, ends up leading the league in completion percentage and passer rating, which he's currently doing? What if that stands? Because last time they went against the Rams, I just looked at it right here. His numbers, Kyler against the Rams, week four, when that final score was 37-20, and it wasn't even that close. They yep. had a garbage touchdown at the end, Kyler. 24-32 for 268, two touchdowns, no picks. He was sacked three times, passer rating a 120.3. He also ran it six times for 39 yards, including the play that took the air out of the stadium, third and 16. He went 18 yards. Yeah, <laughs> There was just one huge collective groan from SoFi Stadium. I mean,
0: again, I, I think that if he has a big game this week and he continues to put up numbers... That's going to keep them in the conversation. But I'm also assuming that if one of those other teams ends up as the number one seed, that means their quarterbacks are also putting up numbers.
1: Then again, the Cardinals ran 40 times for 216 yards against the Rams in week four. So this number two run rate percentage isn't helping Kyler Murray, isn't helping K-1 win the MVP when they're essentially a glorified run team. It's the run rate offense is what it is.
2: I mean, he's... He's been a big part of that, too, though. I mean, a big part of why this run game has been functioning is, and I think we had we saw a clear example last week, is now you have to respect Kyler Murray's run ability. So now there's less attention on guys like James Conner and Chase Edmonds. So I feel like his ability, that skill set that he has, really contributes that much to the run game. So now I believe, again, I'm kind of tooting my own horn right here, but... I tweeted something along the lines of, "Man, you have a guy that can dominate from the pocket, but then again, he's gonna run it on you on third and sixteen and get a first down on the road against the Rams at SoFi Stadium. So then now you have a guy that has two elite skill sets compared to some of those other elite quarterbacks that we've been talking about. I know, see, I know Colt McCoy went two and one without, well, the Cardinals went two and one without Kyler Murray, but." I mean, you compare the types of offenses that, that are on the field with Kyler Murray and with Cole McCoy, I mean, they can beat you in so many more ways if Kyler Murray's on their center, including in the run game. So that's why I feel like he still should be a favorite, and even if, even if they're a top two seed, he should be awarded with that.
1: Well, guess, guess who has evolved their offense and is including more run right now? The L.A. Rams. They came out and had a three-game skid going, and they took it to Jacksonville, as they should. But it looked different. Everything that you see about what the Rams did, they came out in that first possession, had a jumbo set with an extra offensive lineman. They ran it straight ahead. A lot more than they had done all year. They ran Sony Michelle. They benched basically Daryl Henderson, who was not good against the Cardinals. Sony Michelle got the bulk of the carries and was breaking tackles. Hello, Beware of that if you're the Arizona Cardinals run defense, because that is, look for 10 and 2, 7 and 0 on the road, 4 and 0 in the division. We're talking about this. Is there any one area you're concerned about? Yes, it's still run defense. And did you notice, guys? Cliff Kingsbury said it for the first time on the record this week when asked about what do you possibly give you concern? What do you think you have to clean up? And there was an the obligatory first answer was, well, we need to be a little sharper in all areas. And then there was the chunk runs on defense were giving up. And that's the first time, to my recollection, he actually said it on the record officially. It obviously was a problem at times in that game with David Montgomery. Sony Michelle could be that guy because apparently Sean McVeigh has gone back to that offense they ran with Todd Gurley. A lot of the play action, straight-ahead run stuff, a lot more balanced because until that game against Jacksonville, the stats said that no one ran more three wide receiver sets more than the Rams.
0: I'm, I'm, well, I mean, and some of this may be out of necessity, not just that they're struggling, but you can say what you want about Odell Beckham. Not having Robert Woods changes a
1: ton for them. True. And they did not change after Robert Woods' injury to their own demise. Right,
0: because o- Odell Beckham at this point can't possibly know what he needs to know about the offense. Um, he hasn't been there long enough. So, you know, I, I think that's part of it rather than uh, a realization that they were doing something wrong and more of like I better adapt to a Robert Woods-less roster, but it, it will be, I, I'm curious, I mean, yeah, the, the Cardinals need to be a little bit better against the run, there's no question about that, but again, if you play from ahead, it's going to be tough for teams to just sit there and run the ball all day, I mean, the reason the Patriots were able to run the ball the entire game against the Bills was it was always super close, the Bills had been able to score a couple touchdowns early, That you got no chance if you're Bill Belichick, and, and he knew that, but... That's, that's why when we talk about complementary football, which is a cliche that I'm not a big fan of. I understand it, but I, I'm not a big fan of it. But we talk about complementary football and we talk about this team's run defense ills, which it has at times. That goes beyond the defense, in my opinion. This offense is built to score points. If this offense scores points like it's supposed to, yes, the defense has to come up with run stops, but if it scores the points it's supposed to, then the defense is going to be able to perform at its most optimum level, which I think right now isn't necessarily a smash-mouth close game, but knowing the other team has to chase you a little bit. That's not always going to be the case in the playoffs. Yes, you got to get better in the run game, but I would also argue that um, – it's not like teams are scoring a ton of points. You might be able to move the ball on them on the ground, but it's not going to put – I mean, the Packers ran all over them, okay?
1: Oh, yeah. And I mean, you want broken tackles. A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones broke a lot of tackles in that game. And the
0: defense made the plays to the point where the Cardinals were in a position to win the game. And – and and I understand it needs to be better and I understand the Vikings missed a field goal at the end but they also couldn't score any touchdowns in the second half of that game and they didn't run the ball as well in the second half and I would just argue that when we sit here and talk about a poor running game a poor run defense I think it it needs to be better it's not what we would think it would be for a Super Bowl champion necessarily mm-hmm. but we are not talking about a, a a lousy run defense we're talking about one that could be better, but I, I, I see it as a middle-of-the-pack run defense compared to a lot of other defenses. I mean, I, I don't think the Rams have a terrible run defense, and the Cardinals shoved it down their throats.
1: But if the Cardinals have been bottom five in yards per carry allowed all yeah. year, I mean, you still call it a middle-of-the-pack run defense? Well,
0: again, I'm, putting, I'm going to put it in context to the rest of it for me. I don't think you can look at it in a vacuum. If they're bottom five in yards per carry and teams are able to run it 35 times a game against them, that's a problem. Teams can't run it 35 times against them. If they do, they're never going to catch up.
1: So are you saying the offense is bailing out the run defense because the offense has taken a lead and is a I, potent I, scoring offense I wouldn't and, say, and teams are forced to pass? I wouldn't
0: say bailing. I, the, I think that's too strong of a thing. I do think that it is it's wed together. I think the way the Cardinals play defense is – partially based on how they play offense, yes.
1: Because when I see Rashad Penny on the first snap from scrimmage in Seattle rip off eighteen yards, I mean that but, really but that has nothing to do with the score or the offense at okay, that
0: point. Okay, but here's my argument, Paul. If if it was so easy to run against the Cardinals all the time, why do teams even bother passing?
1: That's a great question. I honestly to me that that is a great question. I I'm honestly if Bill Belichick could Put that game plan on Monday Night Football this week for sale on eBay. I mean, some offensive coordinators should grab that game plan and use it against the Arizona Cardinals.
0: I'm going to argue, and this is, it is what it is, and we're never going to know. I'm going to argue the Cardinals defense does not give up as many rushing yards against the Patriots
1: as the Bills did last night. And you know what? Vance Joseph's response would be that we're not always putting run defenses as a number one priority in the game plan. When we've needed to stop the run, when we've made that the priority, we have stopped the run. I.e., the second half of the Minnesota Vikings.
0: And and why they does he went say that?
1: And because, well, because sometimes they they try to take away what an offense does best, and so they say, you know what? Uh, we don't identify the run game necessarily as what they do best. We're taking away Justin Jefferson. We're talking taking away Adam Thielen, and hence they ran the ball on us. And-
0: and m- more big picture it's not just what a team does the best it's what the NFL is built on the Patriots ran over the Bills on Monday night they threw three passes they scored what 14 points yeah. 14 points that's it I guarantee you if you told Vance Joseph the other team's gonna run all over you and score 14 points Vance is like okay did my job yep. I mean that's the thing
1: I I, I tuned in the second half of that game, by the way, and it was a third and seven, and there were ten guys in the box for Buffalo. Ten guys in the box on third and seven, and I text Wolf. I'm like, what's going on? Because I I heard Peyton Manning say something like, oh, I can throw out all my Mac Jones notes. He's only thrown one pass (laughs) tonight, right? I'm like, what is going on in this game? Because I got in late on it.
2: I feel like when it comes to the run defense, one, people are nitpicking because this team is performing so well that, People are going to try to find something to talk about, right? But another thing is I look at that Packers game a lot because when it comes to the postseason, you're going to run into teams like the Packers. You're going to run into Leonard Fournette. You're going to run into A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones again. So I feel like people aren't necessarily worried about that right now. But then once you get into the postseason and teams get more conservative and they start running a little bit more and they have more time to game plan against your you know, passing offense or whatnot. That's where my concern comes in because, you know, things, people are going to scale back the, the playbooks and whatnot. And Why? Now,
0: Why would they do that though?
2: I, I mean, if, if,
0: I, I understand if you're the Patriots and Mac Jones and you would do that. The Packers aren't going to scale crap back with Aaron Rodgers. The Buccaneers aren't going to scale crap back with Tom Brady. And I guarantee you, if you lose, I guarantee you, if the Cardinals end up losing to the Packers, or they end up losing to the Buccaneers in the playoffs, I'm, going to, I'm willing to wager a large amount of money, which, of course, I would never wager. <laughs> I would be willing to wager a lot of money. It will be because those quarterbacks beat them, and it will not be because Leonard Fournette or A.J. Dillon. Now, do you need to stop those guys to be put, putting you in better positions so that the quarterbacks can't pick you apart on third and short? Yeah, you do need to do that. But I guarantee you they will lose because of those quarterbacks or because they turn it over. They will not lose because of the run defense. That's just my opinion.
2: But but that's in my best Kyle Odegaard impression. That's where I disagree because then you, if you focus on stopping teams on first and 10 or mm. second and long or whatnot – then now you're running into possibilities of third and seven. And if you have – regardless of what quarterback you have in the pocket and they're in third and seven, third and eight situations, I mean I have more confidence in the Cardinals secondary to prevent teams from converting on third down. So that's why I feel like they have a good five games left in the season uh, to fix that run defense because if you stop A.J. Dillon, Leonard Fournette, and co., then you have a better chance at controlling the 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 possession of the game. I mean, that was the biggest issue with the, against the Packers. The Packers, I was going over the stats. The Cardinals had the ball for like 22 minutes compared to 38 minutes by the Packers. I they mean, didn't have the
0: ball yesterday either, or Sunday.
2: What well, I mean, what was the difference of that? I mean, field position, your defense put well, you in I, those I, positions.
0: I understand that, but like the the Bears were running the ball, and then.
2: But, but they're the, running the ball, losing already. I mean, the the pack the difference between that is that the Packers were running the ball. I get it. With and if AJ know,
0: D- Green turns around, are you still having the same concerns?
2: But then, then I ask you if Devontae Adams is on the field, that are we having you know are we having that same conversation? Well, you just
0: got well, through telling me you're not worried about the passing game, though. That's what I'm saying.
2: I I mean, if you're in third and second situations and Aaron Rodgers has Devontae Adams, I mean that's automatic in my position. That's why I feel like the emphasis once against get it gets to the postseason has to be to stop the run game first i mean well
1: i guess i find myself agreeing with both you guys in that okay i'm going to split the difference here in that uh, last month i said i there's no doubt i fear aaron Rodgers and tom brady the most in any potential nf playoff scenario by far yeah on the other hand what made aaron Rodgers really effective in that win against the cardinals in prime time was the fact he was facing a lot of third and short Mm-hmm. Right, a lot of those, you know, AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones runs set up yeah. third and manageable. And even though he's missing his top three receivers, all of a sudden that short passing game was very effective because it was third and well, short. So it goes hand in hand to a certain I, degree, no I, I, doubt. No,
0: I, it definitely goes hand in hand. And I'm not sitting here saying the Cardinals can give up 200 yards rushing and be okay. I'm not saying yeah, that, right. but I I haven't really seen that.
1: Let me ask you this, because I need, I need a transition. I need a segue to the, the two safeties on this team. If you didn't have the best pair of safeties in the league, yeah. here's my segue. Would you be giving up 200 yards rushing a game? Honestly, how many times yeah, have fair. Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson saved the bacon of the run defense? What was a six-yard run? Easily could have been 36 yards, if not for the two best tackling safeties, at least tackling tandem, in the NFL. Right, I, I mean, how good are these guys? Because I I, I know uh, the, the back of the Chicago Sun Times, which I used to be a proud subscriber back in the day, back when they actually some people actually used to get newspapers, and the back headline read passer grading, and there was Andy Dalton getting victimized yeah. for one of four picks. But just as impressive as the takeaways is the tackling of those two guys, and man, I, I mean, there was a moment there where Jalen Thompson, knock on wood, went down. <laughs> I mean, everyone on the Cardinals' sideline, their eyes were on number 34. Everything stopped when Jalen Thompson took a moment or two to get up from the field like, oh boy, is JT okay? He's well, just one of those guys. You,
0: were you able to find out? Well, no, he, he got out. up.
1: He was slow getting up. No, he, was okay.
0: he was okay. No, so I know. He
1: was okay. I honestly don't know I didn't, because he wasn't. Injured. They well, wasn't because injury there was report. A, there
0: was a quote unquote injury to Zach Allen early in the game, and it was clear that he lost the contact when we looked at him on the sideline. Like he was down, and it's like, okay, what's wrong? What's wrong? He goes, and then, then you see through the binoculars, yeah. he's like messing with the contact. I'm like, okay.
1: Yeah. See, that was the rain blowing sideways. It probably swiped the contact right, right out of his off. eye. It's probably right what off. happened. You know? No,
0: I, I think these two safeties, I mean, we already know Buddha. But when you start looking at that secondary, guys, I mean, Robert Alford's your third cornerback. But if you look at the starters, is, is Marco Wilson an all-pro yet? No. No. But he's not hurting you this year, which I think is what you would take. And I think Byron Murphy's having an excellent year, had a couple of penalties you'd rather have him not have this past weekend. But he also had half a sack and an interception. Uh, thanks, Chandler Jones. And uh, and then, of course, Buddha and Jalen, you're talking about four draft picks, four guys that you can build around on the back end that are good. And Jalen Thompson is just having a fantastic year now that he's healthy.
1: He's one of five DBs in the NFL right now with 80-plus tackles and two or more interceptions. Think about that elite company that he is in right now.
2: What are those two guys that are in front of them though? Because he has 85, tack- uh, 85 tackles and two interceptions, but there's two specific guys that impress me. Derwin James is ahead of him. He has
1: 100-plus tackles. He's really good. I mean, Derwin James, game-changer, right? When he's healthy, he's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Jamal Adams actually is above him with 87 tackles, but he's not nearly as dynamic no. a safety as Jalen Thompson. He, he's really just such a I restricted – oh, he's a box safety.
0: He is, and, and you think the Seattle – I think Seattle would trade Jalen oh. uh, Thompson for uh, yeah. Jamal Adams in a second.
1: I mean, and you know what, when you talk about tackling – Here's what I'm going to I'm going to pull the pin on this grenade. I'm going to throw it right in the middle. I mean, you know, <laughs> we need a hot take at some point. You're good at those. This is only half a hot take though cuz I I really do believe this to a large degree. Not entirely, but the tackling as a secondary that you guys have cited, right? Every single guy can tackle. And we were talking about that in Cards Camp. Wow. Look at this. Byron Murphy From day one, even when Byron Murphy was struggling in coverage as a rookie, as the number one corner in way over his head against the Julio Jones of the world, he could tackle. He'd come up and hit you. We know Jalen Thompson and Buda Baker can tackle. Robert Alford, hard-nosed, right? Marco Wilson. There were a couple of tackles in camp. We all saw it. A Rondell Moore. I mean, he jarred the ball loose a couple times on Rondell Moore in, in full speed, full go camp practice. So you knew he could tackle. Why, though? Why is everybody so into it? And to me, When you don't have players anymore in that secondary who are turning down tackles.
0: (laughs) Are you talking about somebody in particular?
1: That goes a long way. Because the only thing more contagious than COVID are defenders who turn down tackles. (laughs) Just waiting for the next guy. You know what? I don't need to tackle him. I'm going to wait for the cavalry and the next guy is going to bring him down. Why should I stick my beak in there? I'm going to make a business decision. And there was way too much of that the last couple of years and when other guys start looking around it's like Hanrahan in sales he looks around he goes you know what i'm busting my tail but smith down here in the next cubicle isn't and we're getting the same salary and the same props and praise from the boss why should i bust my tail anymore all of a sudden he starts mailing it in that's what happens on a team that's where the leadership comes in to me and when all of a sudden it's sub- it's addition by subtraction when you no longer have the guys in the secondary secondary who are turning down tackles
0: i think that's uh, you know i think that's a fair point And, you know, obviously uh, the guy that people are going to think about is Patrick Peterson, who was an all pro and a great cover corner. He wasn't super physical. And I I do think that that played into the uh, decision to to not work real hard to bring him back was to make sure that you did have physical guys. And it's why they drafted Marco Wilson. And it's why they initially signed Robert Alford. And it's why they stuck with him is because they felt like if he could be on the field, he could be that guy. You know, I mean, it's funny, we, we talk about Murphy, and I do think Byron Murphy has deserves some consideration for the Pro Bowl for sure. But when you talk about those other two cornerbacks, I mean, when Malcolm Butler retired, everybody was like, oh, dear. And yet, these two guys, Robert Alford and Marco Wilson, I saw – an analytical tweet a couple few weeks ago, and I forget wh- exactly what it broke down, but it basically was saying Robert Alford's having a really solid season. And who saw that coming? And, uh, and again, I don't think Marco Wilson, while he hasn't been spectacular, he hasn't been a negative. He's been a solid player. And, and that's what you needed. And, and it goes back to the run defense, and it goes back to the uh, – to me, the defense is overachieving in some ways, in my opinion. Now, I'm sure there's going to be players that would be offended that I would say that because they'd be like, well, what did you expect from us? But I feel like I came into this year thinking if this defense was average, this offense would be able to carry it. And the defense has been better than average, and the offense still has done really well, and what you have is the best record in the NFL. And that's that's why I can't get too far gone on the run defense. Uh, I'm not saying you ignore it. I'm not saying you have to be you know more stout. But at the same time, you know, there are no perfect football teams. And if that happens to be the one little area that is a little bit of a roller coaster, I'm willing to take that because I, I think that's better than having no cornerbacks that, and you get killed in the, through the air. I think it's better than not having an offensive line. I think it's better than not having a quarterback. I mean, I, I can think a lot of problems I'd rather, ha- I'd rather not have than a, a run defense that sometimes get gashed. Whoa,
1: lost myself there. Well, I mean, if you're going to if you're going look at areas to be concerned by, and we mentioned run defense. Cliff Kingsbury mentioned it for the first time this week. Could I also cite, because I threw this out to Wolf, we were trying to actually think about this topic. Okay, things you're concerned about going into the playoffs in particular. A rookie corner as a starter. Because did we not see Aaron Rodgers go after Marco Wilson? Did we not see Carolina go after Marco Wilson? Not with as much success, but – I'm guessing in the postseason, teams will target Marco Wilson. Is he going to be worthy? Is he going to be stout? Or are they just going to go with some zone coverages? Because what did you hear Marco Wilson say last week? That D-Hop has helped him the most with zone coverage technique because he didn't play a lot of zone coverage in college. He was tasked in the SEC with, hey, go get that guy. Go get that elite receiver and just stay in his hip pocket. Yeah, that dude. So uh, we'll see exactly uh, what Vance Joseph does when it comes to trying to hide his rookie corner if that is necessary come the postseason against the ultra elite quarterbacks like in Aaron Rodgers let me throw this at you because I, I, I brought this up as well what if when you're talking about the Cardinals defense what if Felipe Zayvon Collins had been half the impact player that Micah Parsons has been this year because the guy who's taken four spots ahead of him the other linebacker on the first round micah parsons has been phenomenal for dallas he's in the top 10 in sacks he is tracking for the ever rare 100 tackle season and double digit sacks which does not happen very often and he's about to do it as a rookie. What if Zayvon Collins was making one quarter of that impact on this team? Can you think of where the defense would be?
2: I I mean, one, I think we wouldn't be talking about them struggling against the run game, right? Right. If Zayvon Collins was playing. At uh, 6'5", 260, you're right. we're We're not talking about that. We're not talking about gap integrity or whatnot. But the biggest difference between those two players is, defensive snaps, and you know, being on the field. You know, I had the chance to talk to linebacker Isaiah Simmons who went through something similar last year. I sat, with him, sat down with him, and I asked him, you know, well, what's been the biggest difference between year one and year two? And he cut me off before I could even finish the question, and he said defensive snaps. Just being on the field, having the veterans, having the coaching staff have faith in you, have confidence in you to perform to the level that you know you're – you know, you, you're more than capable of playing. So, obviously, not being on the field, Zaven got a little banged up a couple of weeks ago, but that's been the biggest difference for me. I mean, at this point, do you risk even playing Zaven with the 10-2 record? Do you risk experimenting with him a little bit this, the same way that they did last year with Isaiah Simmons? And it paid off, right, against the Seahawks on Sunday Night Football, and that and that interception that really changed the trajectory of his rookie season. But well, at what,
1: what are you risking though? I mean, he's already not playing. I, I would say the opposite. You want to invest in Zayvon Collins. If if you can get this win and clinch a playoff spot and you go in against Detroit and get a two score lead, I'd play Zavin Collins the rest of the game. I'd try and get him postseason ready because to your point against the Packers, what's your best answer against A. J. Dillon two hundred and fifty pounds is two hundred and sixty pounds Zayvon Collins in the A gap.
2: But do you guys I'm sure you guys saw you know on Sunday there was a specific Couple of plays, and I'll credit Craig uh, Rilu for this because he actually pointed it out on. But begrudgingly, the begrudgingly, we'll credit. He three. he pointed out a specific play where a specific play where Jordan Hicks actually went out because he had a minor injury and whatnot. And I believe David Montgomery ran like 16 yards or went out, or they scored on Zayvon Collins because he was yeah. in coverage. So it was, I feel like that was what the you're, Jimmy
1: Graham first Jimmy Graham touchdown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's
2: when Jordan Hicks was out. He had like a finger, and mm-hmm. then boom, and then all of a
1: sudden they're popping that thing back in place. It's always grizzly to watch i'm like Ugh!
2: so so i feel like maybe that's what you're risking are you going to risk that on monday night football are you going to risk that on, on christmas christmas day against the colts trying to clinch a potential first round buy in the playoffs like I, I feel like that's what you're you're juggling now does it help that jordan hicks has been playing out of his mind this this year? Now, do you want to put Zayvon Collins yep. in for Jordan Hicks for a couple of snaps? So, I feel like that's what you're risking, you know. You're risking performance in the box. You're risking, you know, messing with Jordan Hicks' rhythm and whatnot. So, mm. By
1: the way, did you mention to Isaiah Simmons, I saw this somewhere, that... He has the worst overall pro football focus grade of any (laughs) starter on the Cardinals defense. How can they give Isaiah Simmons a grade of 46.4? That's abysmal, isn't it? Isn't that an abysmal pro football focus grade in the scope
2: of
0: things?
1: It is pretty abysmal. That's his season grade? Are you kidding
0: me? I thought Isaiah Simmons played pretty well against the Bears. And other than Zayvon Collins and his three snaps, the next – lowest grade out of all the Cardinals was Isaiah Simmons.
1: Where's Justin Pugh with a pro football focus rant when we need him? Somebody needs to go ahead and tweet him this stat right there. He's got a lot of time on his hands right now. He's still rehabbing, trying to get back on the field. Justin Pugh. Uh, you know, one of the smartest guys in the room, needs to go on another rip job on pro football focus, 46.4. Are you kidding me? This
2: is your chance to throw some sh- throw some shade at analytics and <laughs> Kyle right. Odegaard. That's right. It's Kyle's fault, obviously.
1: <laughs> obviously, you know. Uh, here's the other grenade hot take I'll throw out there. You guys ready for this? And then uh, I think my work here is done. <laughs> How can Kyler Murray be the MVP of the NFL when the team MVP award is going to go to James Conner? Wow. How about that? I mean, honestly, James Conner and what he does for this team, he scores in the 23-yard one-handed catch and run. And we're down there, and I'm trying to stand behind, you know, the defensive linemen and so forth to block the wind off Lake Michigan, and uh, there's, someone just bolts past us. Even the team doctor's like, what was that? It was the head coach. It was Cliff Kingsbury running the length of the field to go down there and, and, and hug James Conner. And on his TV show, we asked him, Why did you react that way? Because I hadn't seen him react that way on a touchdown in a celebratory fashion. Now, we all saw him react in another way against Josh Norman and the referee (laughs) about a month ago. But in terms of celebrating, he said, yeah, you know, and he paused and he smiled. He said, it was just the circumstances. There's howling wind and there's rain and he's supposed to be our power back and he's opening up his hips and he's making a one-handed grab and he's stiff-arming the guy and he's turning on the Jets to house that thing. He said, it's just so far beyond what we all expected in training camp when he showed up, for him to make a play like that in those conditions, he said, I just lost my mind just out of appreciation for what the guy just did.
0: The, the catch was one of the best ones I've seen, and, and in context with the wind and the rain and having to turn and change hands and avoid a tackle right there, yeah. that was one of the best plays I've seen in a long time. And he, and he saved Kyler's bacon again. That was not a good throw, um, and to turn that throw into a touchdown was was amazing. And it just, in a microcosm, it kind of shows, again, what James Conner has been able to do for this offense. And, you know, it, it, I'm very curious to see how Chase Edmonds gets worked back into the offense because, you know, Benjamin's had a couple snaps here and there, but it has not been the 50-50-ish thing that Chase Edmonds normally has. Do you move him back in? Do you... Do you not uh, – how, how all that works, uh, it's going to be fascinating to watch.
1: Uh, remember James Saxon, the running backs coach, who was on the Big Red Rage in the offseason when they first signed James Conner, and we had him on immediately because he was his position coach in Pittsburgh, and we asked about, is he an option out of the, in the pass game? And he sort of half-laughed on the air, and he said, yeah, you know, he can catch the ball, but he paused. He said, gentlemen, he said, when you have an elephant, you don't put him on a sailboat. <laughs> That was the comment. That's a great comment. You don't put an elephant on a sailboat. Well, guess what? This elephant is about to win the America's Cup right now. <laughs> this elephant is about to go out there and take back the America's Cup for, uh, for the United States against what? New Zealand and Switzerland and whoever else is out there, Australia, whoever else is a contender in those yacht races, which, by the way, the America's Cup, to make sure that was right moments ago, I just I – just, I just, <laughs> do you know what it says right here? The America's Cup, the pinnacle of yachting, was first contested in 1851, making it the oldest trophy in international sport, predating the modern Olympic Games by 45 years. How about that? I mean,
0: first of all, the
1: America's Cup flexing.
0: I mean, is there any other yachting? (laughs) That's right. (laughs) I mean, I know there are people yeah. that take boats out, but
1: I, I don't know, Darren. Your upbringing—weren't you a member oh,
0: of a yacht wow. club somewhere? I no. mean, you guys went there. You guys had a
2: go there, Paul.
1: Arizona Yacht Club.
0: Uh, I most certainly was not. You know, <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm from Detroit, like you. My my <laughs> grandfather right. worked in the post office. That's
2: right. The D, the three one three. That's right. Okay, going back to that. Um, God, that that's very i like when you guys get into it you know it's an a element that i don't get to see day to day so when, when i come here and record yeah, that's this because podcast because we don't talk
1: to each other outside the podcast yeah, it becomes for a spectator sport we save it for on air
2: <laughs> Go ahead. but i feel like james conner he would welcome you know, with open arms, the return of Chase Edmonds. Oh, yeah. You know, I feel like the, sure. fir- the first half of the season, James Conner benefited benefited a lot from Chase Edmonds, extending plays, getting him in great field position, getting him in a lot of third and short situations because of what he can, what Chase can do out of the backfield, catching passes. You know, Kyler Murray now doesn't have to necessarily run 10 times in a game, and that means he's not necessarily going to be at risk at, uh, of Getting hurt, something that we saw last year, you know, getting getting tackled a lot. Things of that nature, I feel like both guys probably are anticipating the return of Chase Edmonds for a lot of great reasons, I, I would say. Well, Chase Edmonds in the red zone, too.
1: Yeah. yeah. thats I mean, think about this team. I don't even know where. Where do they rate in red zone? touchdown percentage the arizona yeah, cardinals know. again it's got to still be top five that top. That we it has to be right
0: time, but I, mean, I would think it'd be pretty
1: good think of the if i'm a defensive coordinator that's the first thing and there's a lot of things that can stand out obviously about mm-hmm. this cardinals offense but red zone what do you do you got a quarterback who can run the zone read i just ran for two more touchdowns you have a power back in james connor you have a six foot four aj green plus you have the acrobatic deandre hopkins christian kirk you can always get him to him either on a jet sweep or through the air, you have Zach Ertz, and then you're going to add a Chase Edmonds, who's always had a nose for the pylon. Mm-hmm. It's just the Cardinals and the red zone are so much better than they have been the first two years under Cliff Kingsbury. It's not even close, right? I mean,
0: I, I, I do think that there are so many, and that's why it was funny when Cliff Kingsbury, after the game, acknowledged that that Wildcat on third and goal from the one yeah. uh, that lost six yards yeah. maybe wasn't the Greatest idea. Although I would say that if Chase Edmonds was healthy and you could put him back there yeah. with Connor on the field, yeah. I, I could I could deal with that. the The problem was James Connor is like everybody knew it was coming, and unlike the Bills, the Bears were able to stop
1: it. What I didn't have the guts to say to Cliff Kingsbury was that um, he stole the Zachert shovel pass touchdown from Frank Reich. Well, just in watching the highlights on the team playing while we were waiting for Darren to give the go before we could finally take off, (laughs) um, I did see that they put Jonathan Taylor in the Wildcat and the Colts, and he walked in. I mean, it was a stroll in the park on a Sunday. It was so ridiculously open and he just strolled right in. It was the exact opposite of what happened to James Conner in the Wildcat. It had no chance yeah. from the get go. So I don't know, That was, was that a totally blown block? I never saw the replay. Honestly, I haven't either. And but
0: yeah. all it did was prolong the inevitable,
2: <laughs> but it which worked. was a
0: Zach Allen interception.
2: And go, oh. Going back to your Chase Edmonds point, like if he was in, would that have worked? Because it worked against the Packers, if you guys yeah, remember, the only true. touchdown he's had this season. So now, I mean. The touchdown
0: Mm -hmm. he shouldn't have had because DeAndre Hopkins should have just not
1: face-masked
0: and then he would have had a long (laughs) touchdown.
1: So I think that pretty much covers everything here at Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation. We we
0: wanted to make sure we really went extra big because there's an extra day before a game.
1: (laughs) That's true. That's true. Incrementally, we have to do an extra day's worth (laughs) on the back end of this, the TRT, (laughs) which in the business is known known as Total Runtime. Oh, there you go. There you go, a little behind the scenes.
2: I did want to ask, because I know last week before the game, I asked you if you had specific shoes prepared for the the road trip. I just wanted to get an update on whether, one, you were comfortable, two, are those shoes like can you wear them now? Are they still Well, I alive? did re-
1: I did remember the boots, oh, which was go. good. The bad was I forgot the long underwear and the gloves. <laughs> How I possibly forgot those two items when I knew what the weather conditions were going to be going in okay. and in year 17 on the sideline. What was I thinking? I have no idea. Here's
0: here's the worst part, Felipe. Our hotel was right off Michigan Avenue. <laughs> Literally, I don't you're know. Right. I don't know if he you're could right. see it from his window, but from my window, you could yeah. see the North Face <laughs> yeah. uh, store right across the street. All he had to do was go. Dan Nettles did that. He forgot his gloves, so he walked across the street and bought gloves. Well, and Paul could have
2: done that. You're the vet, Paul. Yeah, come if, on.
1: If my wife was here, she'd fill in and explain my disdain for shopping. I have a phobia against walking into like big department that's stores. Fair. I just can't stand shopping. Uh, I don't know why it is, but I actually would rather deal with five hours on the sideline and the post game interviews being cold than walk into that's a crazy. Macy's or Nordstrom and actually go through just the process of trying to find it and what section and size and do you have inventory and what's the I just I, I can't stand it. That's a, that's a that's problem. problem. Have you North
0: Face did not look that crowded. <laughs> no. ha- has anyone you could have had you? nettles by them?
1: By the way, Wolf was all about like a five course dinner. I know time to go. Shopping yeah, by yeah, the time yeah. dinner started and ended with Wolf in Chicago. Are you kidding me? The stores were all
2: closed. So, you hate shopping, but have, has it. anyone introduced you to online shopping? Well, sure. well but
1: yeah, but in this <laughs> that's, case, that's where I do all my shopping. But in this case, in a you know, needed now scenario, unless I guess I could have had maybe some sort of you know, immediate Amazon delivery for an upcharge, just take it right to your hotel in Michigan Ave. I don't know. That's a, that's I mean, a I good really business
2: idea, right there. We should start know. our own business of delivering last minute online shopping well, orders or
1: or or.
0: Paul just doesn't forget his gloves.
2: There you sure, go. that's the easy option. Or I get off my rear and walk across the
1: street.
0: That's also true. Those too.
1: But yeah, honestly, guys, it didn't matter either way because, as you knew, to come full circle now, my face was so red. Oh yeah. And my face was so frozen that I couldn't. I didn't care about my hands or my feet. It didn't really didn't matter at that point because my face was so frozen. Here's what we got, me.
0: Felipe. We're gonna reach out to Cam Cox. <laughs> we're gonna get that clip. <laughs> and oh, so when please. we do, oh. we're gonna do the folktales okay. of Paul calvisi's yeah, horrible right. five hours <laughs> right. in chicago yeah
1: no so and you, you, we're in the trust tree so you guys can tell me of how, course how bad did it look on camera did it look like like i, I was a raging
2: alcoholic with the red nose i'm on.
0: gonna be honest i didn't really know. about to rip i just ahead.
2: no 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 see i noticed that after your soundbite so you gave obviously <laughs> put it in perspective i actually put myself in cliff kingsbury's shoes i felt like i was the one getting hit in the mouth so you did a good job in describing it yeah. wasn't until cam started talking that i looked at you and i'm like dang he was freezing
1: <laughs> <laughs> i actually said at one point in the interview cam can we stop and start a fire right here in <laughs> under afterwards i mean my goodness you know by the way delayed reaction i just realized here uh-oh that darren really doesn't talk to me outside cardinals on the <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was some significant delayed reaction yeah,
1: i just realized that um you know i don't know i think that hurt my feelings I'll let you know on the next episode of Cardinals you know, Underground.
0: conversation works two ways, Paul. <laughs>
1: That's right. You got to invest.
0: I tell my mom that all right. the time. You never call right. me. Well, right. you know, the phone works both ways, Mom. You can give me a call. That's
1: right. Hey, Mom, where's the ROI? Return on investment, <laughs> right? Okay, touche. Me and Mom. We, got, we Me and Mom, we got to get better. We got to get better, apparently. According to Darren, his mother and Paul Calvisi have to get better in his eyes. There you go. We'll try better next time on Cardinals Underground.